The following podcast is brought to you by Cast Content Media. Hey guys, it's Ron Worley, your most imperfect host of Sons of Ditches. People are liars, thieves, addicts, and assholes. Some people change, and a few make a difference. But everyone has a story. Hey guys, another episode of Sons of Ditches. Uh, This week, very special guest. I'm so excited to have her on. Uh, Dr. Stevie Don is a professional speaker and coach with over 20 years of teaching and training experience. After an adventurous career in dance, I can't wait to hear about that, uh, an injury led to her having to choose a new path. After driving back into school, Dr. Stevie Don emerged as a thought leader in leadership and emotional intelligence. That is welcome, Dr. Stevie Don Carter. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Super excited to be here with you today. Well, what an introduction. Um, What a, uh, I mean, that's on your about page and and it's, uh, I think it summed you up pretty good. That's excellent. Thanks. Thanks. You know, hey, I wrote that piece of copy really well that time. So, yeah. Well, yeah. So off air, I commented on how wonderful your shirt is. Uh, I'm sure my audience would love it too. ACDC okay. with the lightning bolt is yeah. awesome. Class. Which tells me you're an 80s kid probably. Huh? Yes, totally an 80s kid and and a musician's daughter. So also wow. that wrote, raised by a uh, two singers and performers. And uh, so, yeah, so all the 80s rock bands um, are part of my my life. And I was named Stevie Don after Stevie Nicks. So thank you. I that, knew it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My mom, actually, my mom and dad were in a Fleetwood cover band when my mom got pregnant. Oh, that's all. Awesome. So I was going to be Stevie, whether I was boy or girl, it didn't matter. Um, <laughs> it was going to be a, a Stevie was the kid. So, uh, yeah. So I try and embrace that, have a love of all Fleetwood Mac music, which is amazing. Um, yeah. And yeah, so music, part of my life, which, which led me to becoming a dancer, right? I did not get my parents' singing ability. <laughs> I'm working on it, but I'm not there, uh, but definitely got their love of the stage and performance. And so that's really what my mom put me in dance before I was two years old. And uh, it was what I was born to do. And yeah. And that, I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> well, yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. So you, you grew up doing dance and being yeah. on stage and a performer. Uh, yeah. Take it from there. What was the injury? Yeah, so I um, I had traveled the world. I was dancing and teaching all over the place. I had actually opened my own dance studio with my parents, which was a fun family thing. And uh, this was going to be my life. Um, I didn't really have any other plan. And just one day teaching a class, nothing extreme, nothing daredevil, risky, a move I had done a gazillion times. Um, and I shattered the actual ball of my foot. Oh. So, um, so I just came down wrong. It's just one of those freak things. Oh man! And I went to the doctor and he goes, well, you're going to be able to walk, but dancing is probably a no go. Oh. And, um, you know, having had it be basically the defining moment of my life for 
my entire life to that point, I really had no backup plan. I was definitely that person who had thrown all my eggs into one basket. (laughs) (laughs) This is everything you've lived to. And at this moment, this is how you probably identified yourself as an. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was crushing. It really was. And, you know, people are like, how'd you handle it? I said, well, I got into a pit of depression that I didn't think I was going to come out of. I, I mean, that's the honest truth. Um, but you know, it, it was never my, the doctor gave me a choice and he said, look, we can do surgery. And if we do the surgery, you won't be in pain anymore, but you will never dance again. If we don't do the surgery, you'll probably be in pain most of your life, but you might be able to dance again. Really? And so I took the pain option. Okay. And so I think what's what's interesting about that is people now will ask me because I have I have danced again. I, I I then had a whole second career in a different form of dance, became okay. a, a champion dancer, competed all over the world. I did all that after my injury, oh, wow. but it couldn't be my career anymore because the pain is still pretty intense. Okay. And so I do it, but I do it through pain. And people are always like, why? Why do you do it? Because that's who I am. I'm not. That doesn't mean, right? So I'm like, I'm still making it. I just can't. It really became something that could no longer be a career. It had to be an every so often with lots of ice and rest around it, but I could do it. Right. Well, I I think everybody gets to that point in their life anyways, but yours was a little bit sooner or a lot sooner uh, than you anticipated. So what a, what a struggle. And, and the the love of dance is so great that you're willing to go through some pain for it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, I think that says a lot about you actually. <laughs> well, I, I think it definitely puts me in the stubborn as I'll get out uh, category, <laughs> uh, which is true. And, you know, I think now as a business owner, yes, I am stubborn, but man, being a business owner requires me to be stubborn. So I, I think in the end, I ended up in the right in the right place. Because <laughs> I think I was absolutely that stubbornness has actually served me well over the years. So I think it's a good thing. <laughs> well, and and let's get into that. So you are a life coach. And it, so I'm assuming that a lot of your, your teachings and stubbornness is <laughs> comes from dance, right? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of a lot of my life journey really happened in that moment, right, of that injury and then deciding, okay, if that wasn't going to define me, how is I going to define myself, right? Yes. And, and I think that we as, as humans, right, as kids, we believe everything is possible. We can do anything. We have all these hopes and all these dreams. And then at some point you get stuck in that, well, you need a job and it has to have health benefits and you have to be able to pay your bills. And all of a sudden, like the dream isn't so dreamy, right? Right. And it becomes just reality. And so I did, I I went back to school. Um, I had always enjoyed school. I just didn't need a degree to be a dancer. So I didn't go to school. Um, So I got my bachelor's degree, went ahead and got my master's and honestly went ahead and got my doctorate mostly because I just thought it's what I was supposed to do. I was now in the education track. I'm supposed to just keep getting the education. Finish it up. 
And, and that was great. Um, but, uh, learned along the way that I, I love teaching. I love being in front of the students. I taught college classes for many, many years. Um, love that environment, but really got to a point where I had that, that PhD and my boss actually was somebody who asked me, uh, so what's next, you know, what are you going to do with it? You did it. Cool. Right. What, what goes after that? And I, I had no answer because like I had been so on the path, right? We get on a path to a goal yeah. that we stop remembering. Why are we doing that goal? Yeah. What, what was I, what was I doing this for? I have totally forgotten. And so it hit me, right? It was another one of those pivotal moments. It hit me like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Like, I'm just going through the motions, doing what people tell me, go back to school is a good idea. Cool. I've got a good career. Awesome. Right. But am I living for me anymore? And I think that was the thing that I always had in dance is dance was something I did for me because there were plenty of people who told me this is not a career. You should not make this your life. Right. There were plenty of that. But I did it anyway because it was defined by me. But somehow after that, I lost that. Okay. And so really what I help people with now is what I went through then, which is how do you redefine yourself? Sure. And how do you plan a goal that you actually want to achieve for a purpose? Not just because somebody told you, well, you can always go back to school. Right. Right. Now, now <laughs> you're speaking my language. Now you're speaking my language. So uh, how does one define themselves not based on what they do? but basically who they be. Yeah. So their talents, yeah. values, and purpose. You know? Absolutely. Because we're human beings. We're not human doings. Right. And I think about that a lot, right? I do. Somebody else said that, but I think about that quote a lot. Absolutely. We are human beings, not human doings. Yet everything we talk about is our to-do list, yep. is our achievements, our how many things did you get? How much money did you make? Everything's a, a done item. Right. Instead right. of it being, but how do you feel? Right. So like one of the things that I ask all of my clients to do is when you're setting goals for the year, and I think goals are great. You should totally set them all the things. However, I always want you to have one goal, at least one goal per year. That's a feeling goal. And what I mean by that is how do you want to feel at the end of the year? Wow. Think about it. Right. We don't we don't think about our feelings. We think about all the other things that we need to accomplish. But how do you want to feel? At the end of the year, when you sit down on December 31st and you look back, yeah, how do you want that to feel? And if you actually make that a goal, you're going to do different things every day to get you to that point. I think you're right. And it's just something that I don't think we focus enough on in our world. No, I mean, and actually, when you just said that, it, it's, it's very profound, a, a profound thought how do I want to feel? I usually feel scared because I got taxes coming up and I'm you know, stressed out, but yes. I would like to feel accomplished by the end. There of the you year, go. That's you know? good. Right. Which would allow me to do a lot of things throughout the year yes. to get my goals. So I mean, that makes sense to me. Right. So for me, um, 2020, I wanted to feel joy. It was a weird year to pick yeah that but I always pick I always pick my feeling goal at the beginning of the year and I commit to it I say I am doing it 
no matter what. And so I did make 2020 my year of joy, even though many people found that to be very awkward. And I definitely struggled. But I can tell you that at the end of the year, I did get to look back and say, you know what, there was a lot of joy in this year. Well, that's a lot of joy. There was a lot of joy. I'm not saying every day, but there was a lot. So give us an example of how you met joy like was it just a series of little things or was it one big thing that you met or yeah no that's a great question so for me it's daily action right because I think the goals are more achievable if they're small and we do them every day and we make them a habit and so for me it was every day I would look at my calendar and I would make sure there was one thing on my calendar that made me feel joy okay because a lot of times we look at our calendar and we feel dread Right. Oh, I don't want to go to this meeting. Oh, I don't want to see that person. Right. It's all dread. So I was like, I need one thing on the calendar. That's joy. Now, sometimes it was work related. Sometimes it was personal. I started putting like virtual happy hours became a real joy thing. Right. During, during the pandemic. So I was like, Hey, I've got a virtual happy hour tonight. That's awesome. (laughs) Right. Or, um, I would put on there, you know, I'm going to bake, I'm going to bake brownies tonight and I'm going to have no judgment if I eat the entire pan. Nobody cares, right? Like that's joy. But then I also like in my work, I started asking myself the question, am I doing things at work that bring me joy? Okay. Right? So some of the products and services that I was offering weren't really joyful for me. So they made me money, but that's not bringing me joy. So I cut them out. Right. I I looked at my finances and I said, and this is a hard one for people to get behind, but um, I said, what is a joyful amount to make? Right. If you looked at your revenue and you said, okay, I got to pay bills, I got to pay bills. Right. But I also need to have some joy. What is my joy cost? Right. And that's different for every person. Sure. What's that joyful amount? And what I realized is that it was a lot lower than I thought. So talk about taking off pressure, right? Like, I feel like I went into business ownership going, oh, I got to be a multimillionaire. That's me, right? I got it. I got to do it because I am, I am the shark. I am going to go after whatever I want, right? So (laughs) I'm going to be a multimillionaire. Well, come to find out, you know, six years in, I start to go, you know what? Actually, that doesn't make me feel joy. Trying to chase that is just stressing me out. Here's my joyful amount. Oh, that's easy. Oh, okay. Right. So it every little thing I did, I just kept asking that question, right? What would bring me joy today? What would make me feel joy in my business? What would make me feel joy in life? And I just kept doing that. I brought in old hobbies back into my life um, that I hadn't done in forever. I brought those back in. I'm loving it. Right. Like I did all these different things. And so at the end of the year, I could turn around to go. That was a lot of joy in that year. I feel pretty joyful, right? So that's kind of how I've been doing those feeling goals. And they really help me to make sure I don't set a goal that I don't like. Wow, that's (laughs) the feeling goal is always good. Right. That's a key. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Imagine uh, just like I, so I always say we help others in our community because our community gives back to us. So if Mm -hmm. we do it, not for the, for the thought of money, which you absolutely took away some of your money, but you did it for the joy Mm -hmm. and you're going to be repaid with money anyways. Yes. So, and you'll just be happier about it. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Well, I took it, right. I took the whole concept and the whole idea and I wrote, I wrote an ebook on it. I started hosting these joy intensives. Once we could open back up to the world where I invite people over to my house 
And we talk about joy in our lives for two days. The most uplifting, amazing experience that I would have never created in my business if I hadn't done a year of joy. So absolutely. Oh, yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. I, I mean, I, I don't see myself throwing a joy party. I, but, you know, <laughs> I get it. Those lines. <laughs> it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody, but it's, yeah. it's cool to see how, when you put that focus on a feeling, how it changes your behavior. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I think that's the, that's the key that I always want people to walk away with is you can choose, right? Yeah. You can choose how you feel and then you can do the actions every day to get you there. And absolutely. it doesn't have to be prescripted by the world. You, right. So you can choose in a global pandemic to have a year of joy if yeah. you choose to. <laughs> absolutely. Well, and, yeah. and most of your clientele, is that, would that be male or female or? I um, I'm, most of my clientele is female. Um, but I will say the, the men that come and play with us, we have a lot of fun with them because okay. hey, they're few and far between. So they get all of it. So, you know, as, as one of my clients knows, if he shows up on certain days, he knows what kind of day it is based on how the girl's hairs look that day. <laughs> so he's learned a lot about, yeah. <laughs> about everything by being it. with us, but yeah, mostly women and, and mostly people who are in transition, either transitioning in their life, maybe stepping out of corporate into business or sure. people who are in business who are maybe transitioning into something new or trying to tweak it. That's really where I do. I feel my best work because I've been through those transitions and I know what we have to do to support ourselves through them. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you tell a woman uh, Mm -hmm. who is going from, she just got pregnant, she's getting ready to be a stay-at-home mom. And as you know, or as women probably know, there's an identity crisis right there because they're no longer identified by what they do, which Mm -hmm. we already talked about. So what do you tell them? What do you, what's your advice? You know, I think the most important thing for all parents is that we don't forget that we're humans all by ourselves. You may now be Sarah's dad or Sarah's mom, but you don't stop being you. And I think what we have to remember is that our self-care still matters. So making sure we have time for ourselves to continue to pursue our goals. So what I like to tell people is instead of defining yourself through your work, which is how most of us do it, like I am a blank accountant, lawyer, doctor, right? Right. Right. Think about it instead of saying, what do I give? What's my impact on the world, Mm. right? Because as a stay-at-home mom, you have an amazing impact on the world because you impact that human that you now take care of. And every interaction they have from now for the rest of their life is based on how you impacted them in the beginning. So that's really the greatest impact you can make. Because so, it has a ripple effect following it. So think of yourself as impacting this person and think about what you want to share with them, what you want to teach them. I have my stay-at-home moms make lists of all the things they want to teach their kids okay. because it gives them purpose, a sense of purpose and a sense of, I need to do this. Yeah. It's not just the feeding and the clothing and the basics. It's teaching them to be you know, self-aware, teaching them emotional intelligence, teaching them to be good communicators. Like those are responsibilities. And when you start looking at stay at home mom as that job, you start to really be able to define yourself as, man, I am an educator. I am a coach. 
I am a disciplinarian. I am a leader, right? I am all these things. And now it's not about the job title. Right. It's about your impact in this work that you do, whatever that work is. And so it's also a very thankless job and you don't really see the anything or Mm -hmm. rewarded for anything until much, much later. And so what do you tell somebody that, I mean, they've got to see something along the way. I mean, yeah, their kid's going to walk, their kid's going to talk, right? I I notice that corporate uh, people that come from a corporate environment that run through systems can all, they run the systems through their family and they become, you know, then the rewards are, are great because it's a daily reward. Right. Uh, But, but what's your thought on that? Yeah. So I think we have to remember that we all have wins, right? I I look at wins instead of rewards. So wins, what was my win today? Right. And sometimes the win is getting up and showering because that's the thing when you're a parent, (laughs) Um, you know, sometimes the win is not sending that email to my boss that I really wanted to send. Um, You know, those are wins, but we never celebrate the little things. We always wait and celebrate big things. And so especially as parents, right? It's like, oh, well, I'll celebrate when they graduate high school. Okay, but there were 18 years of life that you did a lot in between. Let's not just wait for the big moments. Let's celebrate every day the little wins and celebrate things. I think we always have to celebrate things that are within our control. Celebrate something that's within your control so that you say, hey, I did this. I made this happen. Because a lot of times we wait for the external validation for something to happen around us. And then we go, oh, look, I good job me. Right. Right. Instead of looking at, okay, but I can't control that. What can I control and how do I celebrate? those wins that I'm controlling every day, you know, from everything from eating well, when you eat healthy, when you eat a salad, when you could have eaten a hamburger, you should celebrate that win. Because that was you choosing to do that, right? Right. But we don't think about it that way. And so then it's really easy to get down on ourselves or feel like we've kind of lost ourselves in that process. And so it's about reclaiming you because you exist in all of those decisions. And when you start celebrating them, you start to realize how much you're really getting out of life and how much you're impacting your life and the life of those around you just with those little things. And I, I think your joy parties fit right into that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Because joy is something that we can all have at any moment. We just have to remember something that brings us joy. Sure. I love it. And then you're teaching your kids about joy too. Yeah. We need more of that. Yeah. We do. We need so much more of that in our life and our world. Yeah. So true. So So what's next for you? Are you, what's the next five years? Oh, geez. I don't like to do that far out because (laughs) I change my mind way too often. So as my (laughs) husband says, give her maybe a year goal because that's all she can commit to. Um, Six months. months. Okay. Six (laughs) months. I could totally do six months. Um, you know what, what life is all about for me right now is live events coming back. Um, I love live events. I love hosting them. I love attending them. I love all the things about them, the energy, the feeling. Um, Hosted my first live event of the year last week, and it just felt so good to get people in a room together, learning together, being together again. So right now, I am super stoked to fill the next six months of my life with as many live events as I can 
humanly make happen. So we've got a live event on leadership coming up in a couple of weeks. I have a uh, shark speak, which is a two day intensive all around becoming a better public speaker. Um, I have that coming up in January. We have our one day motivational event called be the shark that's coming up in April, May. So right now live events are on the horizon and then in amidst all of that, hopefully, fingers crossed, um, my book will be published. All right. So yeah, so it's due out February 8th. We'll see okay. if we make it. There's been some supply chain issues getting the printed copies, all the things. But right now we're saying February 8th as of today. So I'm super wow. stoked for that too. Yeah. So how do people sign up for your live events and how do we get your book? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, live events, just go to my website, drstevedon.com. There's a tab there that says host, and that's where I host all my events. So you can find out all the details, sign up for things that interest you. And if you don't see something that you feel like we should do, message me because I create these workshops and these webinars based on what other people tell me they want to hear about. So let me know what you want to hear about. We'll make an event for it. I love doing that. As far as the book, it'll be available on Amazon. I've got a couple other books um, out on Amazon right now. But again, if you go to drstevedon.com, they're right there on the front page. Perfect. And I tell you what, guys, I've listened to her speak in my research for this. And I do love the way you speak. And I love that you're very honest to people. And yet, you know, clinical almost at the same time. The joy parties, that's that's not clinical, but the way you go about it is very methodical and clinical so thank you well I really appreciate that try and use my education side and my dancer improvisation side all in the same thing so that that's where I try and shoot for somewhere in the middle (laughs) you're doing great I love it uh any last words for my listeners words I would just say you know if I could say anything I would tell people you know what it is your ocean to own and I think too often we let other people tell us what we should be, how we should feel, what we should do. At the end of the day, it's your ocean, it's your life, and you're the one who has to live it. So go out there and and be the shark of your ocean. I love it. See, I got the lion, you got the shark. I know, we're good with our animals. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for being on, doctor. Thank you. I I almost called you Dr. Stevie, but what do do you usually do? I just Stevie is usually what people call me. I always put the doctor in front because somebody once told me, if you don't put it in front, nobody actually reads the letters at the end of your name. Yeah. So you have to put it in front so that people know, no, I did go through the pain of becoming that. So (laughs) I want recognition. But no, my friends call me Stevie. So you can just call me Stevie. Well, thank you very much, Stevie. And I appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. All right, guys. Next week, we'll see you again. Thank you for tuning in to Sons of Ditches. For more information, go to my website, ronworley.com, and my YouTube channel, Sons of Ditches. Facebook, Ron L. Worley, or Instagram at Ronald L. Worley II.